Hello, and welcome to Sunday Messages with Fairmount Friends Church. We're so glad that you are joining us. You can find out more on www.fairmountfriendschurch.org. Here's Pastor Brock Meyer. I want to say just a couple words about Henry Wayne before I jump in to my message this morning. Um, Henry was one of my favorite people as far as just a man's man, right? Um, a guy that, that served in World War II um, and to hear the stories that he tells. And uh, Friday is going to be an honor to officiate his memorial. Um, that'll be like a kind of like one of those high watermarks in ministry where you get to do certain things. That's, that's going to be one of them um, to officiate that man's memorial. Every day there's 348 World War II veterans that, that die. And on Friday, Henry Wayne was one of them. And uh, there's still about a half a million left on the planet. Um, but I didn't personally know half a million. I personally knew one who served faithfully in this community, his family, as a father and a husband, as an uncle, as an Uncle Henry to our church. Um, and uh, I think that his legacy is going to far outlive his century on this planet. Um, nearly 101 years next month would have been 101. Um, wow. <laughs> you think you're old. Man, you still got 20 years ahead of you, right? Think about it. Wild, just wild. Um, just live, and he lived well. That's the other thing. He didn't, he didn't get old and, and, and mad and bitter and frustrated. He just got kinder and sweeter. The guy just, he just did it, man. He did it well. He aged well. He lived well. Um, there's, just a, there's just a way to do it, isn't there? Um, it's a life well lived. I remember hearing an interview with uh, Bill Clinton was doing something uh, overseas with foreign policy and, and uh, Mother Teresa was serving as she did and Bill Clinton was in the midst of a scandal and, uh, and he is kind of fighting for some of his different beliefs that he had and uh, Mother Teresa gets up there and she shares everything that she's doing and laying down her life to serve the least of these and Bill Clinton follows her with his speech and he says it's hard to argue with a life well lived what do you say right um, you might have your agenda of what you are, think you're going to say but whenever someone just lives it out in front of you and I feel like Henry Wayne has done that he's just lived it well in front of us and um, just thankful for him feeling for you Mike and Nancy um, but celebrating for him he gets to reconnect with family members that have gone before. He met Jesus face to face on Friday. Got to reconnect with some of his World War II veterans out there. Can only imagine his back totally healed. How about that? He will run and dance and I don't know if he's dancing or not. He was a for real Quaker. He might not dance, but anyway. Just special, man, just special. 
want to jump in here, um, and it is Labor Day, and um, talk about Labor Day for a little bit. I have been doing a little extra laboring with Alyssa gone, uh, stepping into my dad role. Um, this morning, I kept feeling this thing sticking to my leg. I'm like, what in the world is that? And I pulled out one of my, my beard guard trimmers. I was like, oh, yeah, that's what I used to comb Ronnie's hair this morning. Um, and I got here, and, and Maggie asked me, she's like, did you do the girl's hair this morning? I was like, yeah, <laughs> looks good, huh? She's like, yeah, nice ponytail. I'm like, I do good ponytails. That was a good pony. I even did two on the side, the pigtails on Nora. That's how I combed the hair this morning. Ronnie's like, I need to brush my hair. Do I have a brush? I was like, I don't know. You got to go look for a brush. I didn't have a brush, so we went with the beard guard, and uh, she did it. I got up this morning, and all four of us fell asleep on the couch last night, and we all were, were wiped out, and I wake up about 1 o'clock, and I finally go to bed, and I come back downstairs, and I see all of them. I don't know what happened between 1 a.m. and 7 a.m. They must have an ice cream party or something. My iPad is laying on the table just soaked in ice cream underneath it. I was able to wipe it off. There's still some stain. Can you, I don't know if you can see that. This thing is just getting tore up. Um, we never have ice cream when Alyssa's at home. So <laughs> Anyway, let's dive in, shall we? The history of Labor Day is um, on September the 5th in 1882, there were 10,000 workers um, that took unpaid time off. And they did a march from City Hall to Union Square in New York City, holding what would have been known as the first Labor Day parade, although they were marching in, uh, in, in kind of a celebratory and almost even a protest of the hours that they had to work, usually working 12-hour days, seven days a week to scratch together any sort of living that would produce for their families. This went on for, um, for a few years, and finally, it was, it was multiple years later, 12 years later, Congress passed an act making Labor Day a legal holiday in the District of Columbia and the surrounding territories around Washington, D.C., on June 28, 1894, President Grover Cleveland signed it into law, giving you a long weekend, hopefully nice weather, and the opportunity to go grill out with your family. However, while we focus on Labor Day, really we focus the other side on resting. I want to focus this morning on to labor and to rest, both doing it in the presence of God. That there really is a way that we can work, rest, sleep, laugh, hustle, grind, enjoy time and life all under the presence of the Lord. And that it's not just I've got a work life and I've got a church life and I've got a home life and I've got a family life. It's not to compartmentalize life. It's not like God is in this dresser drawer and he's the one, well, it's Sunday morning, let's pull that drawer out. Well, it's our church life. Let's pull that drawer out. No, God is the dresser drawer. He is the entire chest, and all things should be done unto his glory and in the presence of God. And I would actually encourage this, that the work wouldn't be as hard if we were doing it alongside the Lord. Also, work is not part of the curse. Don't think that because Adam got into sin 
And sometimes we think that. Well, because Adam got into sin, and we call that the fall. Man fell from the glory of God. Well, then our curse was that it's going to be thorns and thistles, right? And the sweat of our brow. While that is true, it doesn't mean that the original intent of work was ever supposed to be part of the curse. Our original mandate from God was to work. Our original mandate from God was to labor with him in his garden. In Genesis chapter 1, you can turn there or not. I'm just going to guess if you're using our Bibles, it's page 1. Genesis chapter 1, and in verse 26, it says this, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image. And I want to just stop there just for a second, and I want us to get this mind, because I'm going to kind of build on this theory here, made in the image of God, okay? God creates people to be like him to bear his image, to bear his likeness, to basically become these, these little gods, and I'm saying that we are God, but these little uh, representative, uh, representations of God in human form. All of the Godhead, so we've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, let us make a mankind that bears our likeness. So that, we, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, over the livestock, all the wild animals, over the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. The image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and he said, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth, subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, over every living creature that moves on the ground. And if you flip to the next page, Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15, it says, The Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. You continue as you read as God was creating. God worked six days and he took one day off. He modeled it and he commanded it that we would have some sort of a, what we call a Sabbath. Sabbath simply means to rest. God worked for six days. We've kind of built it into America. We work five days and we take two days off. Maybe for some of you, you work seven days and pick up doubles and do everything that you can. There's just a hustler within you. I don't know whatever you know, your, your uh, approach to your work ethic is. But we see something modeled by God. He worked for six and he took a day off. And then he, we see in the Ten Commandments even, he says that we would have a Sabbath day that we would honor it. We would keep that day as a holy day before God. Then we see that Christ comes. And Christ comes to redeem not just what was lost in man. Christ comes to redeem what was lost in the image of God in man. And I want to build this structure this idea whenever we began to sin and I say we mankind we see that man started making his own images man started making his own idols there was idol worship idol just simply means image okay the the uh, the the images that they started making they were making statues of other gods and they were making these other things that they would that they would go in and worship so God up here makes a man in his image Man then makes a God in his image. And it continues to go down. One was beautiful, God making man in his image, and then man saying, hey, I could do that too. Watch what I can make in my image. And it gets lesser and it goes into sin. Jesus shows up on the scene, and it says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 7, he comes in the likeness of man to restore the image of God 
to show man what God would truly look like. In first, uh, I'm sorry, in, 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 uh, in Colossians, it also says that Jesus, who is the, the image of the invisible God, who God found pleasure in all of his godness dwelling within him, came to reconcile man back to God. So I just want to show you how A plus B equals C. There's an image of God that he creates and he marks it on, on, on top of man. Man then gets into sin and creates another image and marks his image on, on top of a God for, for us to worship and it just goes lower and lower. God, Jesus, says I've got to redeem this. Not just fallen men, but I've got to redeem the image of God. And he comes as God into the likeness of man and models what a God-man would look like. Could I say that, that, that Jesus, and the Bible says that Jesus is really the second Adam. Jesus is the original intent of what a God-man would look like. Now, I'm not saying that when he created Adam, he was on the same level of Jesus. But what I am saying that there was a God-man created in Adam that was sinless, that was without spot or wrinkle or blemish. He was perfect and holy with God, called to work alongside God. And Jesus comes on the earth as the second Adam, a God-man, the image bearer, fully man though, right? He was hungry, he was thirsty, he cried, he had passion, he preached, he talked, he slept, he got tired. He had all of those struggles without sin. Jesus shows us what true men of God and women of God could be and do when they work in the presence of God. I wanna continue with this and maybe you're getting it, maybe not. Maybe I'm the only one that loved that revelation. But I wanna continue on this thought because as we move into this idea of rest, which is Sabbath, Jesus comes and Jesus is always doing stuff on the Sabbath. And he's freaking out the church. All the Pharisees and Sadducees, the pastors of the church are like, Jesus, you can't do this on the Sabbath. You can't do this on the Sabbath. Stop doing this on the Sabbath. One of the reasons that they wanted to arrest him was you're working on the Sabbath. Stop it. It says after one of his healings, I think in John 5, it says they plotted to kill him because he worked on the Sabbath. You're supposed to rest, Jesus. Can you imagine ever trying to be Jesus' counselor? Now let me tell you some advice, Jesus. Let me tell you, you had this thing ought to be done. And Jesus is doing some things on the Sabbath and ticking people off. In Matthew chapter 12 and verse one, I wanna read this. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples, and, if, and like for real Jews, they would count how many steps they took on the Sabbath. They could only take so many steps to like where their oxen were to feed them, so many steps back to the house. Like they could only like do certain things when the sun was up and only certain things when the sun was down. Like they were like staunch rules as far as, hey, if this is a rule, we're gonna be, be good rule followers. Jesus is walking through the grain fields. He's the king of the Jews, right? He's not counting steps. He didn't have his Fitbit on that day. He's just walking. His His disciples were hungry and they began to pick the heads of the grain and eat them. The Pharisees saw this. Let me just tell you, it's awesome living in a fishbowl. It's amazing. Jesus is just trying to walk through the fields with his guys and everybody's watching him, every move that he makes. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, look, 
your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and, he is com and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which would have been like communion bread or like the table of show bread is what he, they were eating, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Kings, David was a king. Only the priests could do it. Only the tribe of Levi. David was a king and he went in and he ate the bread. Bad David. And haven't you read that the law that the priests on Sabbath, they had their duty in the temple and they desecrate the Sabbath and yet they are innocent. Let me describe this one. Basically, if the Sabbath is so holy, why are the priests working that day? I'm a pastor. We all know pastors work one day a week, right? One hour a week from 10.30 to 11.30. And if we go 11.35, then we get five minutes of overtime pay. That's how it works. <laughs> he says, if the Sabbath is so holy, then why are the men of God working on this day? He says, come on, let's get real. They're, they're innocent in this. He goes on, verse six, I, I tell you, there's something greater than the temple that's here. He's talking about himself. I'm here. I'm greater than the temple. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have to condemn the innocent. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Going on from that place, he went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there, looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus. They asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And he said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? One of the, the phrases is Phil, I don't see Phil right here. Phil always says, if he's gotta work on Sunday, he says, I got, a, I got an oxen in the ditch. I never fully understood that. I was like, really? I didn't know y'all had oxen? You got an oxen in the ditch? Yeah, my dad used to say that. We gotta go out and we gotta, you know, shell grain or whatever. I'm like, an oxen in the ditch shells grain? Like I just couldn't get it. Phil said, bro, read your Bible. That would have been helpful. If a sheep falls, wouldn't you pick it up? If you've got an oxen in the ditch, wouldn't you go to work? He's like, hey, this is part of my business. An oxen is part of my business. I gotta go work today. Sometimes farmers are in and out. Are they wrong? The Bible says no. Fascinating. It says, why are you blaming the innocent? They're just, they're just doing what I've called them and I've put them on the planet to do. Wild. Where am I? There's an oxen on top of a sheep somewhere with Phil Wright. Verse 12, how much more so a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on, uh, it is lawful, I love this. Actually, it's the law to do good is what he says. It is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and it was completely restored. Just as sound as the others. But the Pharisees, they went out and they plotted how they might kill Jesus. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9, it says that we're co-laborers with God. On this Labor Day weekend, I want to say that America is great because we labor because we go hard, because we work intensely. We, we are workers. 
the American Revolution and the Industrial Revolution and all these big booms that we have had because we put our hands to the plow. Can I encourage you in this, that we would not be weary in doing good in our work, but we would do our work in the presence of God as co-laborers with God, not just leaning on the, the mighty arm of the flesh or the mighty arm of our self-determined or just self-will, but that we would work in this environment of saying, Jesus, I just want to work alongside you. Maybe it's playing worship music in the car. Maybe it's having great conversations throughout the day of those that can encourage you. Maybe it's having some people that can text and encourage you. Maybe it's uh, you being in some sort of a, of a uh, Bible study or a book or a book on tape. We don't have tapes. What do we do? MP3, online, something. Do something to where you're just, God, I just feel like you're with me all day, just living in a place of prayer all day to co-labor with God. Yes, rest, absolutely rest, but I want to encourage the labor with the presence of God. In John chapter five, Jesus heals a lame man by the pool of Bethsaida, Bethsaida, something, and it was on the Sabbath. And they come against him again. They come against Jesus, and in John chapter five, verse 17, Jesus says this, in his defense, Jesus said, and I want you to hear this loud and clear, my father is always at work to this very day, and I am working too. No longer is Jesus saying, let's go back and look at this Sabbath sort of a day. What Jesus is saying, I'm always working. I'm always working. I'm always working, and so is my Father. What I don't want you to hear is that I'm saying, don't ever have a Sabbath. I'm not saying that. Please hear me, people. I'm not throwing away one of the great Ten Commandments. I'm not saying that. I'm gonna to get to point number three, and point number three is the presence. The presence. Joy is found in the presence of God is what Psalm 16, 11 say. Joy of the Lord is our strength is what Psalms 28, 7 says. And I believe that if I can find my joy in the presence of, of the Lord, if I can come into the presence where there's fullness of joy at his right hand, there's pleasure forevermore, I find my joy in his presence. And joy, the Bible says, is my strength. Have you ever been in a place where, you know what, you could have a day off, be out on the lake fishing, and it's your day of rest, and you're just in turmoil the whole day. You're thinking about this person, you're frustrated with that person. Are you resting? You're arguing in your head, you're so frustrated. You're not at rest, you're not at peace. And there's other times when I am working with the Lord, and I'm working, I feel his presence in me. And I don't feel like it's work. I feel like it's fulfillment. I feel like I'm being replenished in his presence where there's joy, where I'm finding my strength in him. I want to shift our focus from just having just some one, one day every seventh day to finding a lifestyle where I can come into his presence, where I find my strength to live. Not that I'm so expended at the end of the week that I'm wiped out like I'm just sucking wind, limping to the finish line. No, I live rested in his presence. I want to encourage this Labor Day weekend, find the presence of the Lord. Yes, find a day. Check out for a day. That's fine. But live all seven days inundated with the glory of God. Jesus, come. Fill my kitchen. Fill my bedroom. Fill my car. Fill my workspace. Jesus, I want to work in your presence. I want you to come upon me and strengthen me. In Psalm chapter 16, verse five, it says, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. 
You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad. My tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. Because you will not abandon me in the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. I want to encourage us to be, to be glory gluttons, to be junkies to be the presence junkies. I can't get enough of the presence. I live rested. I live refreshed. I live passion-filled. I don't have to escape for a day to try to get re-strengthened. I live strengthened in his presence. That's the power of having labor days and labor weeks and labor years and a labor life under the glory of the Lord. So we'll wrap with this. Work is work when you're doing what you don't love alongside of people you can't stand. Work is fulfillment when you're actualizing the purpose of why you're on the planet. Doing it alongside of people that you're raising up. Man, when we can shift the vision, I'm on the planet for this, and I'm gonna do it with these people, and I'm gonna do it under the presence, under the canopy of the Lord. I will rest secure. My boundary lines are in safe places, and my inheritance is sure, and the glory of God is good. We can live rested. We can work rested. We can do all of it well in a heart that can truly labor and live and enjoy the goodness of the presence of God. Would you all stand with me this morning as we close? That's about four minutes of overtime right there. <laughs> and it just about wiped me out. <laughs> Let's pray. Jesus, I just pray, God, that this would be a church family that just cannot get enough of your presence. Lord, I pray that we would just work hard in the glory of God. Father, I pray that we would be those that just find our strength in you. God, we thank you for naps. We thank you for days off. We thank you for all of those just good things. We thank you for times of peace, vacations. God, we thank you for all of that. That is awesome. It's amazing. We love it. God, we also just pray to strengthen us while we're getting after it. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen our spines, make our feet ready and our hands willing to serve. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, for being co-laborers with us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're so glad you were with us today. You can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or your preferred podcasting app. Be sure to rate us so other people can know about the podcast.